Hello, and welcome to this episode of To The Point. I'm Claire Hardy, a director at Portland Communications. And today I'm so excited to be joined by the businesswoman, author, food guru, and motivational speaker, Pinky Lilani. I'm sure many listeners will be familiar with Pinky's highly celebrated work to recognize current and future leaders. The Women of the Future Summit, which she founded, is now in its 14th year and has recognized hundreds of emerging female leaders across science, business, and the arts. And her annual kindness list, which singles out 50 so-called leading lights from the top of their fields, has led many organizations to rethink their own approaches to developing leaders. Today, we'll be discussing how kindness is the key to workplace success. This is To The Point. Hi, Pinky. As always, it's so lovely to talk to you. And I'm particularly excited about today's session. As an MBA grad and an owner of possibly far too many books on leadership, this is an area that I absolutely love to discuss. And in fact, I think it's an area that pretty much everybody has an interest in, and with good reason. We all know the difference between a happy and a thriving workplace, and one that's really miserable and dysfunctional. And so, With that, my first question for you is, what is good leadership? At a time where happiness levels across the UK are at all-time lows, how should we be thinking about the more human qualities that help leaders thrive? Thank you so much for that question, Claire. Really a very, very important question. I think for me, it always goes back to kindness. I think at this time, more than ever before, we need to see kind leaders because kind leaders motivate, they make people feel valued, and they make people feel like they really want to be in the organization and to be loyal. So it goes back to kind leadership for me every single time. And what when you talk about kindness, what are the important traits that you feel em- embody that, that notion of being kind, particularly when it comes to leaders? Well, I think, you know, going back slightly, I'd like to say that every leader should have a mantra because I think then you know what you stand for. And my mantra is about kindness. My mantra is you have not lived a perfect day unless you've done something for someone who can never repay you. And you may wonder in what way one can do something kind every day, but you actually can. You can be very creative. So I walk in non-pandemic days every single day with five chocolate gold coins uh, when I go out to my meetings and I give them out to people I meet who are kind to me, maybe who smile at me. And actually, that's my kindness done. And I think, you know, people can lead with kindness. It just means being very human, being interested in people, listening, looking out for them. And I think once you make that part of your everyday um, attitudes and competence, it's very easy to do. Yes, I imagine that 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 aspect of of going out is is much harder these days. You know, lots of us are stuck very much in. And I wonder, you know, from your personal experiences, uh, you've recently hosted a virtual Women of the Future Summit. And just how you apply that to our current environment where perhaps people aren't meeting and, and able to you know, does that change how how listening and just social interactions take place when it comes to leaders? 
I think what I've found during this pandemic that people really want to connect. So personally, I've been ringing up five people every day to talk to them to find out how they're doing. And I think with hosting our summit, we found that people really have this huge desire to connect even more than before. And so using platforms where they can meet new people is absolutely vital. So we found conversations starting on our platforms which then carry on much longer. And people are looking at creative ways to connect, to make a difference, to actually touch people's hearts and minds. So I think the pandemic has not slowed down our huge desire to actually carry on connecting, being kind, of making a difference and actually shining a light on people who are doing amazing things. That's the ethos of everything we do. No, and you know what? I agree. I think that despite this year looking like it's going to be a pretty challenging one, I'm personally filled with a lot of optimism. And anecdotally, when I speak to my friends and my family about how their workplaces are treating them in this period, I hear so many stories of how employers are really rising to that challenge. You know, whether it's sending brownies through the post or trying to think really creatively about how to inspire their more junior workforce. And I think for me, this is a stark difference from a decade ago when I was first entering the city. And there was very much a feeling there of, or an assumption that there was no room for kindness or softness in the workplace. So I think that all of the sort of previously attached stigma to really meaty to- topics like mental health are slowly being broken down. And I personally attribute that to compassionate leaders and to employers actually thinking more about how they change their workplaces to suit you know, what people ultimately want, which is happy, thriving places. I would love to get your views on that and which employers you've seen are particularly good at, at helping foster this notion of kindness and leadership. Claire, that's a a really good question in the sense that I feel kindness is so important. So uh, three years ago, I put my money where my mouth was and said we would launch the first kindness and leadership 50 leading lights list. Um, And I didn't know what I was venturing into, but in fact, it was a huge success. We're very lucky we got people like the FT and Side Business School on board. And we actually published the list on World Kindness Day, November 13th, by opening the London stock market on that day. So it was a yeah. huge achievement. And suddenly all these people who were kind leaders actually really loved that recognition because I think it goes from being a successful leader to being a significant one when you're a kind leader, that's your legacy. And so actually naming these people was phenomenal. We had people like Paul Pullman, they had Unilever on the list, but um, uh, two years ago we had Jurgen Klopp on the list. So suddenly the Liverpool football club manager being on the list, holding the trophy up was a huge, had huge impact. And it gives permission to everyone to be kind. I think sometimes people think, oh, to be kind is to be soft. And if you're lower down the pecking order, it'll be seen as a weakness. People won't take you seriously. Quite the reverse. I think nobody forgets kindness. And um, also nobody forgets it when you've been unkind to them. And there's a wonderful story, if I may share this, but Many, many years ago, like in, in, during the Second World War, my grandfather lived in Calcutta. Um, and, you know, there were a lot of people coming in and uh, he was saving people. But, you know, I didn't know much about this at all. But uh, fast forward to 
somewhere in uh, the late uh, 1980s, and I had a client, a food client that I was working with, and she wanted to taste different types of foods because I was doing some recipe development. So we go to this little Burmese restaurant on Edgware Road. It had eight tables, and the man who owned the restaurant came round and said, um, you know, where are you from? And I said, oh, well, I'm from Calcutta. I was sitting with this client. And he said, you know, I'm alive today because of a gentleman in Calcutta who actually saved my life. And I said, oh, really? I said, Calcutta's a small place in a way. What was his name? And he said, oh, his name was Khanbadar Dasani. And I said, that's my grandfather. And he said, I have never forgotten that kindness like that so many years ago. And he said, you can never come into my restaurant and pay a bill. You have to keep coming here and it's going to be on me. And that that is the power of kindness like years down the line. So for me, you know, the whole thing about kindness and leadership is giving permission to everyone to be kind. That's really incredible. I love that. I think that getting together people in big rooms from all walks of science, art, business, and actually just trying to help people draw connections that may never have existed previously, I think is it tremendously powerful. And seeing actually, for me, that really drives the, the, the concept of innovation because you can start to pull different different thought processes and ways that people are doing and really share those experiences. Um, so I think that that's really wonderful. I'm going to be cruel and I'm going to ask you a question which is very difficult, but you've been fortunate to meet so many prominent leaders uh, across global politics, science, business, arts. Are there any particular leaders that stand out to you? And why is it that, that they, have they got specific characteristics or a common characteristic that you just notice really helps them shine out from the crowd? I think, you know, the leaders that have shown for me are those that take a real interest in others. It's not about them. And I think the one person who really has shown for me a lot has been uh, the CEO of Unilever, Nitin Paranjpe, because when he meets you, he just makes you feel you're the, you're really interesting, you're important, and yet he is so wise beyond measure. And I think kind leaders and people who really help companies go places are those who have an agenda much bigger than themselves, and they can include so many people. They let people have a voice. Um, and let them be heard. I think that is what really stood out for me. There's some amazing women also that I've come across who every single time you want something and you ring them up, They even if they can't help, they'll find someone they can connect you to who can help. And I think for me, that is the gold standard. And, you know, somebody like, say, Anne Richards from Fidelity, for instance, she is so kind. And, you know, when, whenever I've spoken to her, she will perceive the need you have without you even stating it and do something about it. And I think that really touches people. You have to be very special to do that. Yeah, I completely agree with you. And I'm so glad that you mentioned those qualities because I remember that you included fairly recently on one of your kindness lists, a gentleman called Ron Khalifa, the former CEO of WorldPay and current chairman of Network International. And I was lucky to work with Ron myself uh, in a former role. And for me, he completely embodies that same concept of having time for anyone. And it was Amazing to see his leadership within an organization of, you know, 15,000 employees 
and somehow he would be able to walk the floor and pretty much know anyone that he came across on a first name basis. And he really took time at all levels of the organization to actually understand what people were thinking and, you know, to just take that time out of his day to look people in the eyes and just have that curiosity, I think. And that meant that he became so much more deeply involved within the organization and really had a, a minute by minute sort of beat of what was going on. So it's really, really impressive and definitely a top leader of, of mine personally. No, so he's been very kind. You've chosen well there. So I want to move on a little bit and talk about, I know you've been involved in some research as well. One of the many hats that you wear is also, I think you have links with uh, various universities. I'd love to know a little bit about what the research you've been involved with when it comes to leadership and what it's shown us. Well, we've done two bits of research, actually. We did the first one with Hall and Partner and Science Business School, Oxford. Before the pandemic, it was called The Power of Kindness. Um, and, you know, we found out what are the qualities people look at for in leaders. And then during the pandemic, we did another piece of research again to find out had things changed. And what was really interesting is that before the pandemic, being fair and uniting was very important for leaders. Being resilient and courageous was at the bottom of the list. Well, come pandemic and the crisis and suddenly mm. courage and resilience became the top two qualities that people looked for in leaders. Um, and being candid and present fell really to the bottom. And I think what people are looking for, we found, especially during a crisis, is people need to be humane, they need to be empathic, but also what was very important is to be optimistic. I think people during the pandemic want leaders who are optimistic, who can paint a rainbow for them, because otherwise it all looks so dark and dire. So we found leadership had moved into center stage and people were very articulate about what they wanted in their leaders. I read actually a very interesting study recently that was included in the FT and it was a study from the Academy of Management Journal, which absolutely endorsed what you've just said. And they actually confirmed that being compassionate was really good for you. Uh, they noted that performing acts of kindness reduced cynicism. So absolutely that point you made on being optimistic, so, so important. Uh, and obviously cynicism is one of the three elements that's linked to burnout, the others being exhaustion and dwindling performance. So there we have it, actually being kind is an antidote. It helps us all to actually, and, and, and you know, jokes aside, but at a period where I think many are very close to facing burnout or, you know, people's mental health is um, being tested, I think that you, you are going to see more and more of what is such an important area of leadership really shine through. Uh, Claire, may I make a point here? Apparently, when you're kind, it releases oxytocin into your system, which raises your spirit. And if somebody sees someone else being kind, it's actually even seeing an act of kindness releases oxytocin in your body. And so then you want to do better things and kinder things. And nobody who does a kind deed can feel bad. So I think it's really good to be kind because it raises your energy and, and your positivism. Whereas if you're being unkind, it actually takes away your energy. So being kind has huge benefits mentally and physically. So a slightly difficult question as well, and I'm sure you're challenged around this when you talk about this topic, but 
playing devil's advocate, are there situations where it just isn't possible for leaders to be kind? You know, I'm thinking that actually in our current world, they're continually faced with restructurings, redundancies, situations where there will always be someone who doesn't come out as well, that maybe that notion of being kind is just not quite a possibility. How how would you respond to that? I think you can be tough and be kind too. I think it's by being quite open and telling people what the situation really is. Being transparent is very important. Uh, I don't think one should sugarcoat things. Things are bad. And sometimes it's actually the best decision to tell people. It's the kind decision to let them know where things are going. I think that really helps. And you have to accept also, Claire, that you won't always get it right. Uh, And we know that. But to show humanity is important, even in those hard situations. Mm. I'm moving to a different topic here, but you've been writing recently about how the pandemic has really widened the gender gap. What were you meaning when you were talking about that and what have you seen? I think we've seen um, the pandemic has really disadvantaged women much more than men. For instance, there are lots of low paid roles that are done around the world by women who've actually lost their job. But also when looking after the homeschooling, it's much more the women who are doing it. So they're really challenged at every level. So I know all the people I work with, you know, they're trying to do a job. They're trying to um, homeschool much more than their husbands or their partners are involved. And one girl actually told me, she said, whenever we have a meeting, it's always my husband's meetings that are more important than mine. And I think, you know, there is a struggle. So um, I think women around the world are really finding it very difficult and yet trying to hold it all together. And that worries me because I think all the best intentions in the world don't help these women and we need to be much more aware of that. And going back to about being kind, you know, how we can is like doing little things like checking up on people. And if they're struggling to say it's all right, that, you know, if they are vulnerable, a lot of women are very reluctant to actually talk about it because they uh, think it's going to be held against them. So I I think women are really, every single research shows that women are more disadvantaged in the pandemic. Uh, I, I agree with that. I remember quite some years ago now, but going to a networking event, which was hosted by a very successful lady at the top of her career, and her actually recommending for us to not mention in the workplace if it was... Uh, that you were leaving to go and pick up your child or that you were leaving to go to a sports game because, you know, that would just put your career at a disadvantage to men who just wouldn't, they wouldn't think of you in the same light. And I remember thinking how unjust such a comment was and so sad that that was the situation that we were in where, you know, I like to think that there is slightly more equality when it comes to defining our careers than having to effectively lie about our different commitments that make us more authentic and personal and actually that we can learn from all of those. Um, I think it was in your summit last week, Pinky, that a great speaker was talking about how actually, you know, she encourages her lawyers to go to sports games of her children because that's where deals come and it can be a great opportunity to mix like-minded people from different areas to talk about, you know, very important potential sort of commercial areas. So I I don't know what you feel about that. 
I feel very strongly that one has to be oneself, whether, you know, to be authentic, to really shine in life and to do well, you have to be yourself. So going back to say my own story is I love Part of what I do has been when I started my career, I used to teach cookery to adults and then went on to do team building days for big companies. And food and business don't seem to go together. And one of the things I've done really is to, you have to be yourself and have the courage to ask. Because they say the only thing you get for in life without asking is an infectious disease. Everything else you have to ask for. <laughs> so um, actually the first time I was invited to give a lecture at the Judge Business School, it was the Global Leaders Lectures Forum and they said, would I come and talk to 198 MBA students? And I said, can I bring my wok into the lecture theatre and cook spicy Bombay potatoes in 10 minutes? And the person said, are you mad? Nobody's ever brought a wok into a lecture theatre. And I kind of stood my ground, took the walk, and it was hugely successful because suddenly there was creativity and leadership in this walk because when you're cooking, you need to have good ingredients, the right passion, the right heat, just like leadership. And so the walk now has been everywhere. And so it's been all the big companies, it's been to Radio 4, it's been to the Bank of England. Um, and I think, again, it you can set whatever standards you want. So if you want to be yourself and be authentic and say you're going to your child's sports day, there is no harm. I think you have to, it has to really resonate with what you are. There shouldn't be any discordant notes there. It being you that's important in leadership. No, absolutely. So I think uh, another area that I am very conscious of in our own workplaces our more junior workforce. So people just starting out on their careers, they, you know, obviously looking up to the leaders within the organization, but probably thinking about their own leadership styles and trying to build their own confidence. And, you know, how have you got any tips for people starting out on their careers and, and how they should be thinking about, you know, developing their own leadership, if that's such a thing or Definitely. As I go back to the thing of having what you stand for, what is your brand? Because people will remember you for what you are. So again, if kindness or whatever, make something your USP. So people need to think. And the very important thing about leadership is, is you know, having integrity, having honesty, mm. being yourself. Don't try to be something you're not. And that's very important. Having good uh, networks is hugely important. And I think by by good networks of people who you can actually go to when you need some help, or where you can be open, because as you go through life, I found the people I know that give me courage, that actually endorse what I'm thinking, their belief in me gives me confidence. So I think young leaders and be kind, because I think, you know, they say mm -hmm. how you treat someone who can be of no use to you shows the kind of person you are. So going back to Ron, and how he's kind to somebody very much down the pecking order and who's at that time is of no use to him, it really shines through because people never forget that. So you can have your own leadership style. You need to start really early. And I think then you can refine it as you go and realize something comes easily. No, this doesn't work for me. It doesn't resonate with me now and you can refine it as you go along, but you definitely need to keep it in mind. So that's a very good question, Claire. 
I wondered about networking. We touched on it very briefly, but I didn't know, Pinky, if you have any specific tips because networking is a such an important part of everybody's careers, but also a really difficult one, made even harder now because of our virtual environment. But do you have any advice of you've seen people doing it particularly well at the moment? I think networking is hugely important. I think it's often used when people tell me, oh, gosh, you're a really good networker. I, I find that quite pejorative when people say someone's a good networker, as, 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 absolutely as if someone is trying to collect as many business cards as you can. But for me, it's not about networking. It's about actually uh, building relationships and getting to know people. And, you know, you go to so many networking events where people are, like, looking over to see if they anybody more important that I can talk to. And and those kind of networking events are dreadful. So I think if you go to a networking event, there are 100 people and you talk to even one person that in a way touches you, you've actually done very well. And I think with networking also, people very often collect and say, you know, I'm collecting cards so this person may be of use to me. It's really quite the reverse. I think if you go into a networking event and offer to do things for people, it's an, a very good way to start mm -hmm. um, because that really, I remember going to a networking event once where somebody saw my card and it said, you know, chairman of Spice Magic. And she thought, oh, that's, you know, that can't be anything. She just kind of cut me dead. And the woman next to me was from an embassy and she thought she was much more important or there was somebody from Goldman Sachs. And it was visible on her face that I was of no use to her. So I think we have to be very careful when we network that we are actually mm. interested in people. So when you go, try to find out about people, not where they work and, you know, their position. So that's very, very important. Right? And often in the room, it's not the most important person who you think that is the most powerful. Sometimes power lies at all levels. And one has to be very wary of jumping onto someone because you think they're important. The, the interesting conversation come from the most unlikely sources. Yeah, I think that's great, particularly for, for listeners who are just starting out in their careers. I remember my first networking events that I'd attend and I used to be absolutely terrified and probably go and hide in a corner and have complete imposter syndrome that I shouldn't be there, that I didn't know enough about the sector that I was there to, you know, network in, or I didn't have, like you say, the right title on my business card to be able to give it to all the other worthy people in the room. And I think that that's possibly a more female characteristic to have that lack of confidence when you go into these events. And, and so I think absolutely the concept of not rushing to hand out cards or even try and solicit cards so that you're very much listening to people as people rather than trying to look over and figure out how they might help your next deal which sadly i think we've all been to events where there is that subtle undercurrent in in some some networking spaces um, Claire, you made a very valid point, very important part, point about listening. I think if you are nervous about networking, you're going somewhere, just ask people questions. And, you know, people love being asked about themselves. So actually, you know, you, you'll have no trouble because they'll think you're the, the cleverest person, the nicest person to listen to them. So I think that's a very <laughs> clever way of networking. And there's a wonderful story that goes back to, I think it was Winston Churchill's mother who went out 
one week with and the same week for dinner sat next to Disraeli and Gladstone. And when the media people asked her, you know, what was it like to sit next to Gladstone? And she said, when I sat next to him, I thought he was the most, the cleverest man in the world. And they said, what about Disraeli? And she said, when I sat next to Disraeli, I thought I was the most interesting person in the world because he was asking all the questions. <laughs> and, and actually, Disraeli won. So again, you know, you like people yeah. who listen to you as opposed to tell you how great they are. And this is a question we ask uh, many of our guests. It's a slight curveball, but in such a busy world, where do you go or what do you do to find a bit of peace and clarity? Well, just, you know, with talking to all the people I know and, you know, it just um, really for me, people are at the heart of everything I do. And I use them as my inspiration, my source of of energy, of positivism. And of course, at the heart of everything I do lies my family. And so my, my two grandchildren, who are like two and five, are my biggest inspiration yeah. and the biggest, you know, a reason why I'm doing so much because I want them to be... Fury, I want them to be fearless. I want them to have everything they possibly can. So I think it's that, you know, it's people always for me every single time. Oh, wonderful. Yes, I think children are a nice light relief at the moment. They definitely encourage us to live in the present moment and to just enjoy the happiness of what we see around us. So I absolutely second that. Pinky, thank you so much for today. As always, I've learned so much uh, from you about not only the concept of kindness and leadership, how important it is to take an active interest in people, whether that's through really taking the time to listen, taking the time to pick up the phone and speak to people, reconnecting with people, but particularly in today's environment where we may have lost touch with people and just think about what good deeds we can do to support others. And hopefully, you know, we're we're all going to be better people at the end of this. And I hope we give up some of the awful things we were doing and take some of the learning. So, inshallah, fingers crossed. <laughs> Absolutely. Great. listening to To The Point with Portland. You can find out more about Portland and what we do at www.portland-communications.com and you can follow us on Twitter, LinkedIn and Facebook. Stay tuned for more episodes on topics ranging from healthcare to leadership, which we'll be releasing over the coming weeks.